Luke Easterling, uh, Athlon Sports. He is their mock draft expert. He's the guy you go to to ask about all these mock drafts. Now, mock drafts, come on, Luke. I mean, listen, this is fake, but it's at the same time I can't get enough of it. Yeah, I, I uh, haven't been able to quit these since I was, like, 12. So uh, <laughs> it's one of those things. If, if anybody was expecting me to, like, outgrow this, all I did was turn it into, like, my actual job. So uh, I'm grateful for that. But, yeah, man, I, I have. if you're looking for uh, uh, ways to kick this habit, I am the wrong person to come <laughs> to uh, because I am I'm doing my best to, uh, to supply as many of these as possible. You, you, like you said, I mean, it feels like once the Super Bowl is, is over, there's a whole – a whole group of you know fans or, or whoever that kind of plug into it at that point but i mean us us crazy people have been doing them since like september and, and it's just to, to get to the heart of what it is because you'll have a lot of people as well who are like these are pointless they're stupid why are you doing them in not you know let alone september but even at this point in the process and so much is going to change we got the combine we got all the pro days we got trades that are going to happen and i think what what everybody needs to understand is that the reason they resonate with with fans and with readers so much is because the, the, all of the different scenarios that that take place on draft day, every mock draft is a different potential one of those things. And if you're picking, whether you're picking one or 32 or anywhere in between, seeing a bunch of different ways that could go, it, it allows your mind to think about, okay, well, what if this guy is on the board? And what if this guy is on the board? How does this guy fit into our defense? And that's, I mean, that's literally why I have a job, you know, is to have those conversations and, and put them out there for readers and fans so they can, by the time they get to the draft, I would love for every fan of every, every NFL team to have a reason to be excited about whoever they pick because of the work that we've been doing. That's kind of how I look at it. Before we break down some of uh, the local players that we have coming up in the draft, we want to hit at the top of the draft with you. And it looks like you've got quarterbacks going one, two, three. Is that how you see things shaking out? Yeah, it's, it's hard to see it going any other way. And, and again, that's really regardless of what teams are picking there. Because if, if you're if you're picking there and you need one, you're going to take one. If you're picking there and you decide, ah, I don't need one that badly, you're going to trade it to someone who, who does and, and who is willing to move up there to get one. And so, you know, you also have to have the prospects to, to warrant it. And this year, I feel like we've got three guys. Obviously, Caleb Williams from USC is expected to go number one at the, at the moment. Uh, and then you got Jaden Daniels from LSU who just won the Heisman Trophy and, and had a huge 2023 season. You got Drake May from North Carolina. If those guys come off the board, one, two, three, really in any order, obviously we expect Williams to go one, but the next two guys could flip-flop and go two, three in any order. I really think the interesting storyline is which three teams are going to be sitting there. Right now it's Chicago, Washington, and uh, and the Patriots, but it could be different on draft day, and, and that's, that's part of the, the fun and, and the buzz this year. You know, one thing that we uh, obviously we look at and we, we kind of wonder about, now I, the national championship game will make a it, – it'll absolutely change some of these guys and where their draft projections are. Uh, neither J.J. nor I looked at J.J. McCarthy as being one of these guys who would shoot up that board because I, I think that people look at him and go, oh, he's not that traditional quarterback. And, and frankly, th they rely so much on that run game at Michigan. And I've been a Michael Penix Jr. guy for so long that I thought I would want to have that guy on my team versus having him, J.J. McCarthy run the, run the team. Where do you see J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and kind of the rest of the quarterback yeah. class after the top three there? Yeah, I think there's definitely a clear, you know, top tier, like you said, with those three guys. And, and Penix is the next guy for me still. And, and again, I'm, I'm always adamant with people that, you know, one game should never make or break your, your scouting report, basically. And, and it can do 
it can it can provide you information. It's just like anything else. You know, you, you have to take it in totality with everything else. It's a piece of the puzzle. If you have a bad combine or a bad pro day, or you don't have a great week at the senior bowl, all those things can kind of matter to a point. But you should always go back to the biggest sample size you have. And the biggest sample size any of these guys have is their resume on film. And so you can have a bad week. You can have a bad day. Um, sometimes even have a lackluster season sometimes. But if you have certain traits, go back and look at some of the numbers that uh, that Josh Allen put up his last year in Wyoming, and he was still a top 10 pick and obviously still having success in the NFL. So, you know, Penix's performance in the in the national championship game is really part uh, just a small sliver of his entire evaluation. If you look at a guy who the, the biggest drawbacks for him are going to be, he's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. He's basically the same age as Justin Fields, who has three years of his starting experience now. Um, and he's got, you know, he had his first four years all ended with injury. You know, he had season-ending injuries his first four years. Obviously, the last two years, he's been healthy in Washington and put up huge numbers, led the nation in passing each time. But now we're, you know, you're getting into fit. You know, what kind of offense do you run? How, what do you need from your quarterback? And so if you need somebody who's going to be super mobile and, and is, you know, you're going to need him to not be worried about getting injured and getting out on the move, maybe Penix isn't your guy. Do you need the guy who can sit in the pocket and throw darts to every level of the field and, and push the ball down the field? I, I think he might have the best deep ball in the entire class with other guys included. So, you know, Penix is going to be a huge risk and reward in, in that way because of his age and his injury history. But McCarthy, on the other side of it, he's just so unproven as a passer. Obviously, he's much younger. He just turned 21. Tons of upside. He's an athlete. He's got a great arm. And you, show, you see it in moments, in flashes. But when you come from such a run-heavy system at Michigan where he was never really tested as a pure volume passer where it's like, hey, we're going to put the, the offense on your back. You're going to have to go win these games for us. That was just never something that was asked of him. So I, I feel like, again, Penix is the, is the QB4 for me. McCarthy and Bo Nix are kind of in that next, you know, who, who could be four or five. It's kind of a wash. Um, but that's really what it is. He's got probably more upside but that's a double-edged sword because we really just haven't seen it on film in terms of being able to take over an offense. We're going to talk about quarterbacks in the first round because that's what everyone is interested in. But this offensive line crop is really good, and one of yeah. them is a Utah kid by the name of Jackson Powers Johnson, a center at Oregon. He's a graduate of Corner Canyon High School in Draper, Utah. What can you tell us about Jackson Powers Johnson that has separated him from the pack and made him one of the top centers, if not the top center in this draft? Well, I, I would have originally just said that he's just a, a nasty, nasty dude who is really smart, really athletic, and really physical. But then I found out the other day that while he was at the Senior Bowl, he was signing autographs for, like, autograph hunters using fake names every time. And one of them was – he said he he said he signed Turd Ferguson Turd on somebody's, Ferguson. like, helmet, which is just like I, – I cannot – not give you a first round grade if you did if you that'll did that. shoot like you up the draft like, board if a gm doesn't he take was, him top he, 10 know. they're doing it wrong <laughs> literally so when i found that out obviously he was already borderline first round now he's obviously locked into the first round now that i found that out um but but no i mean as a player you go turn on the film and again you, you the first thing you have to have if you're a center and you are not the smartest guy on the field it, your your offense is in trouble and he clearly looks like that guy on, on tape and again, nasty, physical, just an athletic dude who can get out on the move. He can pull, he can trap, uh, and and when you can make the checks and calls and, and change protections and understand defensive front and, and, and what they're trying to do on the other side of the ball, he checks all those boxes. Obviously, the top center in this class, and uh, expect him to be a first round pick. All right, so let's go to the locals here. Uh, 
we were, you know, kind of going over some of these offensive linemen, of course, and here locally, Kingsley Sumatai out of BYU, uh, formerly of Oregon before that, um, but a kid who draws a lot of interest, of course. He had a lackluster season, to be sure, for BYU, I think, overall, but he is still one of these guys that is a freak athlete. If he gets the right coaching, he could absolutely translate into the NFL as a first-rounder. So where do you have Kingsley Sumatai going? Yeah, I think, honestly, the, the one thing that might hurt him as much as anything is that this is just maybe the best offensive tackle class mm. I've ever seen. Yeah. And I've been doing this a long, long time. And not, it's not just elite talent at the top, which you obviously have. you got Joe Alt from Notre Dame. you got uh, you got Olu Fashnu from Penn State, who are both top five prospects in this draft. But the depth, I mean, there are there, we can have seven or eight offensive tackles in the first round and then have Kingsley not be one of them. And so... The reason he he probably comes off the board sometime on day two is it has a lot to do with everybody else in this group as much as it does for him. Mm -hmm. The thing he has going for him, like you said, there's only so many human beings who are as big as that man and who can move like that man uh, on the face of the earth. There really just are. Uh, and so when you have those types of traits and, and his ability to, to play either tackle spot, he can probably play on the left or the right at the next level. But when you are that big, when you have that much length, it even just, I mean, think about it from a physics perspective, it just takes so long to get to the quarterback just by going around that much person. I mean, he's so big and he can reach so far with that wingspan that it's like trying to get around a skyscraper to, to get at the quarterback in the pocket. And so when you have a guy who can check those physical trait boxes like he can, he's a very experienced player, very smart player. Um, I think those those traits at that position will always translate. When you have that size, that length, and you're able to move like he is, uh, I feel like that type of guy doesn't last very long on day two, and the only reason he's there on day two is because there's just so many good ones. Utah has six players invited to the NFL Combine. I think Cole Bishop's probably going to be the considered the highest ranked of that group, but the most interesting, I think, is going to be Sione Vaki, somebody who played on both sides yeah. of the ball and played well and in college, but what do NFL scouts and GMs do with him when, when they're evaluating him because of the fact that he could play both sides of the ball? Yeah, I think he's the type of guy you love to have on your roster because you don't necessarily have to care right away what you're doing with him. You just you know that you can try out a bunch of different things, and he's proven himself to be the kind of athlete and, and willing to do it, right, willing to do whatever the team needs to, to succeed. And so you're looking at a guy, again, when I started evaluating for him for this year, I was like, wait a second, which what is he? I should, could have sworn I saw that he was a running back. Now he's a safety. What are we talking about here? Um, and, and that's just the kind of versatility you're talking about. So when, when you look at projecting guys like that to the next level, their value comes in that versatility because those 53 spots are so precious. I mean, you know, NFL teams have to make such hard decisions when it comes to those last few spots, especially when it comes down to game day and they've only got to, they only get to have 46 or 48 with the practice squad elevations. Um, you know, it can be really tricky. And when you have a guy who can do multiple things, can make can do contributions on special teams and, and can give you something on both sides of the ball, it can, you know, you can be like having two players, three players in one roster spot. And, and so I think that that will be what he has going for him obviously he's a fantastic overall athlete uh, but the fact that he can he can contribute on special teams you could develop him as either or or both a running back and a safety as a depth guy and, and because of his athleticism gives him probably starter upside at both of those spots depending on what you need uh, as you look at this draft class and we talked about some of the locals here one of the guys that we didn't think was necessarily going to get an invite was uh was keaton slovis 
had a not a, fant- a fantastic year at Pitt and then came to BYU and didn't really, you know, uh, show out insanely either there. I mean, kind of basically lost his job at the very end there. But uh, where does a guy like him, like, one, how do these combine invite or the combine invites kind of uh, get to these guys? And on, and on the other hand, like, why would a guy like Keaton Slovis, who didn't have a lot of success in those last couple of years, still translate as a, as a possible pro? I mean, I think you probably follow that trail back to his recruiting. I think, you know, everybody, when you mention that name, I think most people, most football fans, if you watch college football or whatever, you're going to remember the fact that he was a highly touted recruit probably quicker than you're going to be able to rattle off the three or four different programs he's played at over the last five or six years. And I think that has maybe something to do with it, but it also speaks to the physical traits that clearly are there. It's just a matter of, of whether or not he's he's been able to find the right spot or stay healthy or, or unlock uh, that potential. I also think it speaks to the rest of this quarterback class. We talked about how it's kind of top-heavy earlier with the top three guys that could go in the first three picks. We talked about the next three or four guys that come off the board. I think, you know, maybe Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, uh, Michael Pratt from Tulane. There's some mid-round guys there, but there's kind of a, a, a drop off the of the of the cliff after that probably third or fourth round when those guys come off the board. You got Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. You got Joe Milton the third from from Tennessee. If you want kind of an upside traits guy, but if you're looking for a quarterback on day three, I, I think it's kind of a barren wasteland. Which again, no no offense to him, I think that might have something to do with that combine invite. It's just kind of by default. There's not a whole lot of other quarterbacks to kind of fill that group. And because he's a, a guy who's who's a recognizable name, who you know has the physical traits because he had him when he when he got to the college level, you know, it's given him an opportunity to say, hey, I still have the talent. I've just got to stay healthy and find the right spot. Luke Easterling, you can find his uh, mock draft. Athlon Sports is where he uh, still is obsessed with his uh, mock drafts that he was obsessed with when he was a 12-year-old. He just <laughs> translated it into the real world. And congrats, Luke, because that's what all of us have tried to do at some point in the sports world. So uh, we love having you on and appreciate you uh, taking some time talking about these uh, all these pro prospects. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Right, there you Luke. go. Luke Easterling.